landlords versus tenants. A decent home is the foundation to a decent life. To be warm and dry in your home is a human right. Renting for the first time has been pretty awful. Oh my goodness, look at the fly poo on there. Another suspicious brown smudge. A dodgy landlord who allegedly rented out substandard accommodation, including illegal garage conversions, has been ordered to stump up nearly $180,000 after the Tenancy Tribunal found that she knowingly failed to lodge bonds. The stench is quite overwhelming. I feel like I have to settle for shit because shit's all that's been offered to me. I hadn't opened these yet. This is the inside of the cupboards. I mean, her children's food was in here. Now, the tenant won because the tribunal said she had, in fact, left it reasonably clean, quote-unquote, and under the law, that's all that's required of tenants. They have chosen to let landlords get away with charging through the roof for homes that literally leak through the roof. There are horror stories on both sides. Over the last two terms, Labor's tried to level the playing field for tenants. Many, many more people are now relying on renting. So that's why today we're talking about giving a bit more security uh, to those who are in our rental market. But National says it's made things worse for landlords. Rents are up $175 a week in the last five years because a lot of landlords have just decided it's all too hard. Kia ora, I'm Tom Kitchen, and today on The Detail, what changes have been made to tenancy law under Labour's two terms in power? Where can renters go if they have problems with their homes? And if we get a new government to this election, what changes are on the cards? It's actually been huge. Over the last six years, Labour has really changed a lot in the, in the rental market in particular and, um, and the property market more generally. Thomas Coughlin is the New Zealand Herald's deputy political editor. The interesting thing, I guess, is that Labour at once is trying to make sure that life is good for renters and that renters have rights and that rents are affordable. And at the same time, it's trying to make a home ownership easier. And often those two things, you've got to look at them together. Labour is absolutely committed to New Zealanders having the hope, the opportunity and the connection that home ownership gives. But in the meantime, while we work away at that, we also want to make sure um, that we acknowledge that many, many more people are now relying on renting. Home ownership is usually the step after renting and the homes that first home buyers buy are often in the same market as those that landlords are buying to rent to tenants. So there's all sorts of crossover here and that's that's where a lot of the complexity is. In terms of what Labor's done, first term they banned this thing called the ring fencing of rental losses. Did you know the government's quietly passed a new ring fencing uh, bill into law? Uh, we only just caught up with this. It's trickery. <laughs> it's a little bit obscure. <laughs> They've mugged us. They've mugged us. The old system incentivised massive speculation by uh, allowing a lot of investors to come into the property market, buy houses, lose money on renting them, and write off those losses against um, other parts of their income. It incentivised massive speculation in the housing market, running rental properties at a loss, but making money when you flip them for a capital gain, uh, which, as we all know, in New Zealand is untaxed. So they banned that pretty early on, extended the bright line test, which is a game meant to be a, an anti-speculation measure, so you did pay a capital gains tax if you flip your rental property within five years. They later in their second term extended that to ten years. Today we are announcing that we will double the bright line test originally brought in by the National Party from five years to ten years, to reduce the attractiveness of flipping residential homes. 
to speculators. They also banned rental bidding. This is the practice of going to an open uh, home for a, a rental property and essentially like a landlord playing potential tenants off against each other to see who would put up the biggest amount of rent uh, every week. They banned no-cause um, termination. Basically, that means that a landlord used to be able to say, right, you're out. Um, now, that's it's much more difficult to evict tenants. You, you can still uh, evict tenants if they're behind on rent, uh, I think more than three weeks behind on rent, if there are um, antisocial behaviour uh, issues there. But you can't just sort of rock up one day and say you're, you're gone. And I think that's it. That's kind of the big ones <laughs> the, anyway. The other one I should mention is the healthy home standards, which um, and they're huge. They've been rolling out now for a couple of years, and they massively increase the um, extent to which you're able to heat your home, the insulation standards for rental properties, that kind of thing. You can find out more about the Healthy Home Standards in a podcast we did a couple of months ago. What about some of the other changes? Lauren Yates is a tenancy lawyer at Community Law Wellington in Hutt Valley. We can't do letting fees or key money anymore. They've brought in break lease fees though. So break lease fees are for when a tenant causes extra costs to the landlord by breaking their lease early. So it's just a fair way of distributing those fees and costs of running a rental. Another big one is allowing withdrawal from tenancy following family violence with two days notice. So if a family violence incident has happened, the tenant can withdraw from the tenancy by supplying accompanying evidence, which can be a range of different things, such as like a protection order or a police safety order. um, And they only have to give two days notice. Yeah, so you can move out a lot quicker and get yourself out of a dangerous situation a lot quicker. There's also been some changes from fixed term tenancies Um, switching to periodic tenancies a lot easier? Yep, so when fixed-term tenancies end and nothing happens within, or like no changes are agreed within 90 days, that rolls over to a periodic tenancy, which means all the different rights of a periodic tenancy apply. So there's no fixed-term end date anymore, but a tenant can give 28 days notice and the landlord's notice rights remain the same. And Thomas explains one of the big changes on the landlord's side. Removing the ability for landlords to deduct mortgage interest on rental properties from taxes. That's one of those ones where um, you have to look at the rental market and the first home buyers market at the same time. In 2021, we were experiencing that crazy COVID house price boom. The government didn't campaign on this uh, and all of a sudden in March announced that it would remove the ability of landlords to deduct interest costs from their rental properties. The government is ending a tax loophole that favours investors over first home buyers in order to give Kiwis a better shot at owning their own home. It just makes it much more costly to be a landlord because all of a sudden you have to pay thousands of dollars in additional tax every year. Now, why the government's done that is obviously it does put pressure on rental prices because landlords have higher bills, and so it would make them more inclined to um, put up the cost of their rents. But the reason the government did that is not because of rental properties and the ability of tenants to have good and affordable rents. It's to help first-home buyers get into the property market because what the government thinks, first-home buyers and, and investors often go for the same types of property. Now, if you were an investor and a first-home buyer, you're an investor looking at that property thinking, well, if I pay this amount of money, then I can deduct the cost of the interest from my bills. So you can effectively bid higher for that property because you're able to deduct more of the cost of having it from your tax bill. And a first-home buyer can't do that because a first-home buyer you know, is, is living in their home, so they can't claim those interest, interest deductions. So the government made that decision 
to level the playing field for first home buyers versus investors. So it does it does look like these rules having helped first home buyers get onto the property ladder. So that's good. The negative side of things is that they appear to have discouraged property investment and appear to have discouraged people getting into the rental market. Now, the research from IRD, Treasury and the Ministry of Housing has said that these interest deductibility rules have not been leading to rent increases. Rents have gone up, but we don't think this is the driving force of it. What is the driving force? Quite complicated, and there are many things that drive rents, we think. It's mainly people's ability to pay for their rent. So if your wages go up, your landlord will look at that and think, oh, you know, I'll take some of that. Thank you very much. You know, you've seen in the last few years, um, housing costs have gone crazy. That's a function of interest rates. The rent prices haven't gone crazy to the same extent because if you put up your rent that much that fast, chances are you won't be able to actually rent your home to anyone because no one will be able to afford it. So if we have a look at these changes overall in these last two terms since Labor's been in power, uh, it seems like it's definitely skewed a bit more towards renters rather than landlords. Absolutely. Certainly in terms of renters' uh, rights, the healthy home stuff and um, the rental bidding and not increasing rent more than once a year, that's another one that Labor's brought in. Uh, those changes have definitely skewed the rental market in favour of tenants over landlords. What's been the reaction to some of these changes? I mean, there's been (laughs) mixed opinions on them, depending on uh, what side of the political spectrum you look at, really, isn't it? Oh, hugely, hugely. I think one of the interesting things about, um, about the housing market in New Zealand is that, you know, 20 years ago, you'd have a home ownership society where you either owned a home or if you were renting, then you were thinking that in the future you'd be able to own a home. We didn't really have many people who considered themselves to be lifelong renters because house prices were, were lower then. Now I think you've got house prices that are so astronomically high, there are quite a few voters um, who you know look at the numbers and think, well, I am going to be a, a lifelong renter. Uh, and so I'd, I want parties to go after policies that make life better for renters and not necessarily care about what that means for owners. So Labour and the Greens have really piled onto that identity. National and Act, uh, obviously, as you'd expect, have snapped back the other way. They want to bring back no-cause evictions. Um, They think that they discourage people from becoming landlords uh, because it's harder to get rid of tenants. We think that it's reasonable to bring the balance back, swing that pendulum back, uh, to say to to landlords, we want you to rent out your properties. They want to get rid of um, the interest deductibility changes so that you would be able to deduct interest costs from your tax bill again. Unfortunately, Labor has introduced these uh, changes and removed the ability for uh, landlords to deduct interest as a legitimate expense. That is putting up pressure on rent. It's a massive cost as well, and it's a half a billion dollars a year that this will eventually make... Uh, the government, um, because mm. landlords will pay higher tax. And there is a real question there. Labor didn't campaign on this in 2020 and brought it in a few months after the election. Nationals always sort of argued that this was a sneaky tax um, rise, and it is certainly a tax rise. It's one of Labor's biggest, potentially the biggest. Um, it, it, I think it comes in just under, in terms of revenue, the 39% top income tax rate. So it's a massive, it is a massive, um, massive tax rise, and it wasn't campaigned on. The National argues that it, it puts upward pressure on rents and, and getting rid of it will put downward pressure on rents. The research from the Treasury ID and the Ministry of Housing and Urban Development, which was published this year on the rental market in New Zealand and what sets rents, is pretty sceptical about that. Like, if National gets rid of it, it's not like your rent will go down. Are you going to lower your rents, the properties that you rent out? Um, I, I, it's not about me, Jack. No, but, no, you've, but, said, but you've, said, you've said that your yeah. settings are going to lead to I know, lower rents. You talk about my properties every no, time. No, it's a simple question. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's pretty simple. Reasonable, um, isn't it? I mean, you've got multiple investment properties. Well, so will you be lowering your rents? What I'll be saying to you is that we are going to put downward pressure on rents by actually 
unwinding the bright line test from 10 to two years right. and unwinding interest deductibility and changing some of the tenancy law. I don't think anyone thinks, and certainly National isn't saying this, that your rent would actually decrease if that change were reversed. Um, and it would it would operate as a massive tax cut to your landlord. Your landlord would benefit from this quite a lot, um, but they're not going to use that benefit to give you a, a rental discount. No, well, what is National saying when it comes to the benefits for tenants of their policies? It's a very kind of free market idea that if you get rid of some of this stuff, then you encourage more people into the rental market and then you you get more competition for good rentals. Over the long term, you could argue that, you know, in 10 years time, if you do get rid of these interest deductibility rules and you get a lot of investment in the market, a lot of people buying rental properties, then you would have more rental properties in the market um, and more landlords competing for tenants. So you, you'd, at that stage, you'd probably get you know, a better environment for for tenants. But it does seem a wee bit hopeful that in 10 years' time, you know, you'll live in this sort of rental nirvana. No cause evictions, well, you know, if if they bring those back, then people will be evicted for no cause. Um, And whether that encourages more landlords to enter the market, well, that's, you know, that that would be good. But it would be good in the long term. In the immediate term, it would add increasing uncertainty for renters. Um, mm. So I think National's argument is all hinges on this one thing, which is that by making it easier to be a landlord, you encourage more landlords into the market and and you encourage better landlords because there'll be competition between landlords. Maybe in 10 years' time we live in this perfect, beautiful rental market with a lot of high-quality landlords competing for their tenants. But it's, it, it would be something that has never happened before in New Zealand, so you'd have to be pretty sceptical about it based on recent history. A rental utopia in 10 years. Let's uh, live in hope, shall we? <laughs> yes, yes. As, as Christopher Luxon enters his fourth term of government, and, <laughs> you know, running on a platform of a perfectly regulated rental market, I think. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. Oh, you're really protecting the future there, Thomas. We've talked a lot about National and Labour, uh, the two big parties, but is there anything that the minor parties are proposing that's a bit left field? Actors mainly on board with what National's doing, just want to go faster, and uh, they've always been against the, the uh, interest deductibility rules. They don't like the bright line test either. They want to get rid of it completely. They've always been against the bright line test, uh, and the Greens, uh, the Greens want to go further than Labour. So one of the interesting things about the healthy home standards, and um, the healthy home standards are, are quite onerous kind of um, standards for landlords to meet. Um, but if you're a tenant and you don't think that your house is compliant with them, the onus is on you to take your landlord to task for implementing them, ultimately through the tenancy tribunal if it comes to that. So, so it really puts a lot of um, the emphasis on the, on the tenant's ability to take the fight to their landlord, which in terms of the power dynamic between a, a renter and a landlord often means that, that landlords can get away with not um, bringing their rental up to code. What the Greens would like to bring in is a rental warrant of fitness. Fair and affordable rent, warm, dry, accessible homes and enforceable rules for landlords. Which kind of operates a bit like a warrant of fitness for a car and that would put the onus on the landlord to bring their rental property up to code before they're allowed to rent it out to tenants. So you'd have to have your house healthy homes compliant because you wouldn't be able to get a warrant of fitness and you'd need a warrant of fitness to be able to rent it to, to tenants. Concerns have been raised about this creating a cottage industry of expensive people who go around assessing these homes and you know the Greens sort of respond to that a wee bit. And that's the, the only major criticism that's been made of, of that is that you, you know we're going to have to find um, thousands of these assessors but other than that it, it would mean that the burden would be off the tenants to make sure that their house that they rent uh, is compliant. So how can we put tenants on an equal footing? 
Here's lawyer Lauren Yates. It's a big question. I think that the only thing to put tenants on the equal footing is the process things. So how easy is it to go to the tenancy tribunal? How likely are you to get an award? How likely are you to get compensated, fully compensated for what happened? How scared are landlords of the of the tenancy tribunal? How scared are tenants of the tenancy tribunal? I think the changes are good at ensuring more secure tenancies. But if tenants aren't taking their landlords to the tenancy tribunal for breaches, that's not evening the playing field. Okay, well, let's talk about that then. I mean, the whole tenancy tribunal process. So under what grounds can people go to the tenancy tribunal? Um, Tenants specifically. Um, So any breach by the landlord of the Residential Tenancies Act. The obvious one is the breaches of landlord responsibilities, the most Usual one is um, provide and maintain the premises in a reasonable state of repair. Basically, something's broken. You've told the landlord. You've given a 14-day notice. It doesn't get fixed. You can go to the tenancy tribunal to get a work order, to get compensation, or to get exemplary damages. Um, Exemplary damages are like a a fine, but it goes directly to the tenant. Just to make an example, I guess is how I explain it, out of the landlord or the person breaching the act. Is it a complicated process? Like, how easy is it for a tenant to go to the tenancy tribunal? Are they scared? Are they afraid? Really depends on the situation. I find people who are currently in their tenancies are a bit uncertain about the tenancy tribunal. If they've been unlawfully, like had their tenancy unlawfully terminated, a bit more bold about wanting to go to the tenancy tribunal. The tenancy tribunal is still like a, a long process. There's risks with it in the sense that you don't know what they're going to decide. So it is, you know, negotiation is always a little bit better because it's a bit quicker and you can kind of have more control over the process, but it's a mix. I think people do go. The majority of applications are by landlords, but tenants do go to the tenancy tribunal. Yeah. So let's just take a step back. So if there is a dispute between a landlord and a tenant, what do you do first? I'm advising a tenant. Yeah. Talk to the landlord, make sure they know what's going on. It's sometimes very basic first steps of emailing and saying this has happened or saying, you know, my flatmates moved out without notice. We're going to be behind in rent this week. What can we do next week to make it up? Or just communicating is a really big part of sustainable tenancies. Depending on what's gone wrong, the next step is usually like say you're not getting anything back from the landlord about something that's been breached like like the example of a washing machine being broken, um, you send a 14-day notice. Landlords can also send 14-day notices, but from the tenant's perspective, it's usually something like uh, something being broken. And that basically says you've breached your obligations, you've got 14 days to repair it. Depends on what it is. 14 days to kind of make a commitment to repair is also part of that. And then you remind them that if this doesn't happen, you have the right to go to the tenancy tribunal, which you may do. And then it's the tenancy tribunal, which also has an earlier stage of mediation. So you can choose to do mediation. And then if mediation doesn't work, you'll go to a hearing. If you choose not to do mediation, that's, you know, you're going straight to a hearing. So if you go to a hearing, mm. how does that work? Who's leading it? Uh, the adjudicator. So there's adjudicators um, who work for the tenancy tribunal and they lead it. So it's it's an informal setting. It's at the district court, um, but it's informal in the sense that there's no lawyers present. You can have lawyers in specified circumstances, but the majority of times there's no lawyers present. 
and then each person gets a chance to talk, say their side, present evidence. Um, you can sometimes have witnesses. It's a lot less structured than a court appearance, but it's got the same kind of like each person has a turn and there's a, an adjudicator who essentially is kind of like a role of a judge, but less formal. So you have that hearing. How long does the process take after that to resolve? That's relatively short. That The decision from the adjudicator can take an hour, depending if it's rent arrears, probably. It can take a week, maybe, if it's a bit more complicated. It's the process to get a hearing date is the long part. It's the It takes about four to six weeks to get a hearing date from application. Do you find many of your clients come in, you know, pretty heartbroken, pretty sad, pretty over it, like they've found the process very difficult? Really good question. Yeah. I I mean, it's a mix. There's a lot of angry, like there's a lot of anger and like feelings of unfairness. There's a lot of people who are just kind of like, I just want it to like go away. I just want this thing to stop whatever's going on. Like say it's this ongoing dispute about a leak in the roof or an ongoing bond dispute that's feels really unfair to someone. Yeah, I, I think I get a mix, but a lot of people are feeling on the receiving end of unfairness. So overall, after six years of a Labour-led government, where do you think the power balance sits and how much has it changed from, say, when National were here, the power balance between landlords and renters? Um, it's definitely shifted more in the in the renters' favour. Overseas, you know, countries like the Netherlands, um, you see the balance sort of shifting so much in the tenants' favour that it's actually quite hard to get a mortgage to buy an investment property because the bank sort of looks at you and says, well, if you're going to rent this property out, your tenants have so much power over you that it's, a, it's not a great investment for us as a bank. Uh, and New Zealand clearly isn't there, and it's hard to see New Zealand getting there any time soon. But it's certainly Labor's taken quite dramatic strides towards shifting the balance in favour of, of renters. I think the, the no-cause uh, terminations is a big one. Banning um, more than one rent increase a year is, is quite big too. Uh, the healthy homes standards are, are also quite big because New Zealand's been a real laggard in terms of the, the quality of its rental stock. Uh, and everyone knows this because everyone's rented a crappy flat when they're at university. You know, this is like a, an open secret in New Zealand. So the power is definitely shifted in the renters' favour but it does mean that there is less of an incentive to become a landlord and that could be a problem um, if we don't see lots of rent properties going on the market. That's it for today. I'm Tom Kitchen. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Today's episode was engineered by Phil Bench. Our producers are Alexia Russell, Mark Jennings and Bonnie Harrison. Thanks to Thomas Coughlin and Lauren Yates. Hey, Kona. Cool